The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. On November 13th, the people of Paris endured an unspeakable tragedy. According to the police reports, six different locations in France's capital were hit with terrorist attacks over the course of several hours. Over a hundred people are dead. A country and the world is on edge. Over the coming days, You'll no doubt hear a chorus, or what you might even consider a cacophony of voices, discussing the event, propounding their own insights on how these horrifying attacks could have been prevented. Or perhaps they'll give their views on how we can stop the next one. Or they'll try to tell us who's to blame. We'll hear demands for extensive police action within France. We'll hear calls for military intervention, perhaps even on a worldwide scale. You'll hear this discussion from your friends. You'll hear it from the media. There will be no shortage of editorials, blog entries, think pieces, Facebook posts, tweets. The the words will never stop coming. But you'll hear no such discussion here. Not on this show. As I watch what is happening in France and how it is just the latest in a torrent of extremist acts that have plagued that nation this year, I am completely without wisdom to offer. And that makes me frustrated, and that makes me scared. I find public policy to be really fascinating. I love talking about it. I love getting into debates with people. And on a good day, I like to think that I know a few things. I'm by no means an expert on these kind of issues, but I like to think I know something. I was a poli-sci major, I worked in policy for a while, I went to law school, and in dark moments like these, I want to be able to use that knowledge to try to make some sense of this. But I can't. I want to have some inkling about what the world is going to look like tomorrow after something like this, but I'm just lost. Now that this has happened, what happens next? Are there more attacks to come? Where will they be? Will they come to where I live? Will they come to where my friends live? What can any of us do? How can we fight back? How can we maintain our resolve when things like this happen? I ask these questions, and I have no answers. And if you do, I'd very much love to hear them. If you're asking yourself why I'm even bringing up this horrifying event on this particular program, that is a fair question. And I'm inclined to agree with you that this is probably an inappropriate forum for this kind of topic. This is a music business show. This is a pop culture show. And we try on this show whenever possible and often fruitlessly to make you laugh, not discuss sad things. This may not be the place for sharing my feelings on this, but it's the only place I have. We'll get back to the regular show shortly, and we actually have a great, great interview in the next segment. So... Please stick around. Please just bear with me for a few more minutes. Um, I just have a couple more things to say. We'll get back to the music industry stuff. Um, I just want to say something to the musicians who listen to this show. 
One of the central themes of this podcast is the notion that the music industry is changing, and it is changing in a good way, a very good way, actually. Creating, promoting, distributing music, all of these things are becoming more and more affordable, making it more possible than ever for artists to create successful careers on their own without large entertainment organizations controlling them. The industry was once label-centered, and now it's becoming artist-centered. More than ever, the artists hold the power in this business, and those who can make great music while running their careers well can thrive on their own. Indeed, the artists have more power than ever. But at the risk of sounding really, really trite, with that power comes responsibility on days like these. In the new music industry, and the one that we talk about and celebrate each week on this program, there are no intermediaries between those who create music and those who enjoy it. That direct link is a great thing. And now we must use it. We need to hear from musicians. Musicians, the world needs you. Many musicians listening to this show probably feel as lost as I do as to what we can do to make France and the world a better place after what has happened. Well, you need to do what you have always done. We need you to make music. We need lots of it. And we need it now. Like, like me, you, you may find yourself without words to make sense of these events, but you have something even better than words. To quote Hans Christian Andersen, where words fail, music speaks. I don't know what the world is going to look like after this night. But that world needs to be filled with your art. When humanity sees darkness, it is the things that we hear that matter so much more. Musicians, France and the world need songs. That is your responsibility. We need songs and we need songs badly. We need songs to give us courage. We need songs to give us strength. We need happy songs to afford us even fleeting moments of joy in our pain. We need sad songs because we have plenty of reasons to cry. We need tribute songs to remind us of the selfless Parisians who opened their homes to strangers and the cab drivers who gave free rides after the attacks. We need songs to comfort us. We need songs to soothe us. We need songs to heal. We need songs to help us forget and we need songs to make sure that we never forget. We need songs to celebrate other musicians, and particularly to celebrate the fact that the band Eagles of Death Metal survived the attack on the Bataclan. But we also need songs to mourn the scores of Parisians in that theater who were not so lucky. And for those of you who wish to use your art to fight for change, we need songs for that as well. Jimi Hendrix said, If there is something to be changed in this world then it can only happen through music. The world needs to change. It needs to get better. And if you can do it, don't be afraid to use your music to affect that change. And most of all, we need songs because making great art is what free societies do. And now more than ever, we all need reminding that we can and must... Stay free. Musicians, do what you do. We need it.
Thank you all very much for listening to me through this. Um, We're going to get right back into the rest of this podcast now. In the next segment, we have Ari Herstand. This guy is awesome. If you're an indie artist, you've probably heard of him already. And if not, um, you're in for a treat. This guy is a tremendous musician. But more than that, nobody gives better advice on the music industry than Ari does. And that's including the guy who's talking into this microphone right now. Ari is the real deal. He is knowledgeable. He is experienced. Almost every aspect of the music industry um, in terms of how it affects indie artists, he knows it. He's great. And we have him on in the next segment. Um, Just to let you guys know, we actually did this interview with him earlier in the week. So this is before the Paris attacks happened. So he, you know, he won't be talking about that in the interview, but it's a tremendous interview. And I really want you guys to hear it because it's going to benefit all of you folks a lot. And aside from that, I'm just really thankful to share all of this with you. Um, It has been an honor to do this podcast and the idea that I'm doing it and that there's actually people out there listening is still mind-boggling to me and kind of amazing. And maybe what's going on here is helping in a small way. Maybe these artists that we're bringing on each week is helping people in a small way. And that that brings me some measure of comfort on a difficult time like this. Uh, so I thank you all very much for listening. And we got Ari Hurston coming up next. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening to the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. He is an L.A.-based singer-songwriter, actor, music consultant, and author. His music has appeared on a number of TV shows, and he has opened for Ben Folds, Cake, and Joshua Radin. He runs the wildly popular and informative music business blog, Ari's Take, a website that provides tons of great advice for DIY artists. And he is also a contributor to the website Digital Music News. Ladies and gentlemen, Ari Herstand is on the Break the Business podcast. Hey, Ari, how's it going? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? Uh, doing very, very well. It is a joy to have you on the show. Uh, I'm going to open this interview up by embarrassing you, only to the extent that I bet you're probably one of those people that blushes a little bit when anybody compliments you. So okay. I'm about to compliment the crap out of you. Uh, there are lots of people out there who do music business advice, including the guy who's currently talking into this microphone right now. When it comes to advice for indie artists... Out of all the voices out there, nobody does it better than Ari Hurston. Oh, dude. Well, <laughs> I kid you not. I, I I mean, I read a bunch of these blogs. You, you, uh, Ari's take is the best. Well, <laughs> hey, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I, I, uh, you know, it kind of started. Um, I, I think that that's that may not not saying that I agree with your with your title. I, I very much appreciate that. But but uh, what I could say is I think where I'm coming from, where a lot of others aren't, is that I'm actually in the trenches doing it alongside every other musician, and I I'm an artist, so I understand firsthand how uh, difficult. 
difficult it is to really manage a, a you know a full-time music career and I fully empathize because I'm in it and I'm doing it and uh, so I, you know I'm right I'm right there with everybody else we're, we're all in it together you know <laughs> well it sounds like we can disagree on whether you're number one or perhaps top 10 is, is, is <laughs> but we can I, I, I hope you, you can you'll at least accept the compliment that Ari's take is a great blog you give a lot of great advice on that site um, what would you say is the best Thank piece you. of advice you've given on your blog, or at least what's the b- post that you're most proud of? Um, well, I would say um, probably the the ongoing theme throughout all my posts is that uh, to not wait for the breaks and to uh, create your own success. And I, I think so many musicians uh, early on in their career, and, and even as their career continues, um, they tend to, to sit back and, and just hope and wait to be discovered. Um, and what I discovered early on in my career is that if I don't push my own music career myself and if I don't make my realities happen and, and kind of work towards every little victory that I can, um, nothing's going to happen in my music career. Like nobody is going to come swoop me up and turn me into a star overnight, like every <laughs> young musician hopes and expects. And so, so yeah, I think kind of the, the overall theme throughout is, is to really take your career in your own hands and don't rely on anyone else to do it. But it's, as far as kind of my favorite posts or maybe my, I think maybe, um, well, my most popular posts are. Uh, uh, <laughs> my most popular post is um, the illuminating the law that enables musicians to bring their instruments onto planes, airplanes <laughs> in the U.S. That's a good um, post. Yeah, because I um, I've dealt with this as as I'm sure so many other musicians have dealt with this. Have dealt with. Uh, airlines that try to prevent you from bringing your guitar, or your violin, or trumpet on to uh, to carry it on the plane, stating that there's not enough room, which is total BS because guitars fit in all the overhead compartments, and I've tested it. Um, and so, luckily, the the law was passed a couple of years ago, but. Uh, unfortunately, most airlines don't abide by it. So uh, I was very happy to illuminate the law and um, include links to the direct law and the PDF where you can print it off and show it to your gate check attendants and said to help oh, nice. <laughs> hopefully fly a little bit uh, safer with your instruments um, with, with less stress. Nice. Uh, what I like about Ari's take, or one of the things I like about it, because I like many things about it, but one of the things I particularly like is how you you seem to you love to mix up like big overarching advice, you know, like the kind of really huge music career stuff, like what platform do I use for digital distribution? But you'll also sprinkle in a lot of just little quick day to day tips, and uh, I really love those quick day to day to day tips. You had a great one recently. It was your most recent blog post, I believe. You gave this interesting quick tip: when greeting fans, never say nice to meet you. Tell us why. <laughs> yeah, I learned this the hard way. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because well, the main thing is, is the more shows you play, um, you know, the more fans that you're going to meet, and uh, most likely you're not going to remember 
everyone that you meet. I mean, unless you have a photographic memory for their face and their name, (laughs) um, you're not going to remember them or the conversation that you have. Um, and so I've said after shows, uh, when I'm back by the merch table, uh, meeting fans and taking pictures and signing autographs and whatnot, uh, I say, Oh, which, you know, uh, Oh, nice to meet you. What's your name? Like, Ari, this is my fifth show I've been to of yours. We've met five other times. Dude, I've been there since the beginning, bro. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. You know? And then it's like really (laughs) awkward and uncomfortable. It's like, Oh yeah, no, of course, of course. Sorry. I just, I had a, you know, mind blank fart, whatever. And, and it just, it's, so it's, it's, it gets really uncomfortable. So now I always say, (laughs) uh, no, good to see you. Nice to see you. Or how are you? Um, and because the thing is, it's like you want to think that uh, fans who talk to musicians after the show, uh, even if it's for 20 seconds, they walk away and remember that moment forever. Whereas like you as a musician, you're going to forget it 30 seconds after they walk away. I, I'm like not even joking. Like I <laughs> I'll have. I'll, I'll talk to somebody later in the evening after meeting them, maybe an hour prior, and I and I blank out on what we talked about. It's just because you're moving a million miles a minute. You're still um, – your adrenaline is still rushing from after the show. Uh, you're meeting so many people and having so many little conversations. And, of course, you want to stay in the moment and you want to give everybody uh, your undivided attention when you're there. But it's just it's it's difficult, and so I mean the safe bet now is just um, just act like you've met everyone before, and if you if you've never met, then they'll say that, and they'll just uh, you know they'll just say, oh, it was my first time seeing you, or it's great to meet you, or whatever, and let them say great to meet you, and you can just say, <laughs> oh, good, good to see you. <laughs> that's uh, that's smart. <laughs> that's that's a good strategy. Um, so what? You know, because you you've been a musician for a long time, and you know there are many people out there like you or DIY or independent musicians, and not a lot of them give advice. Um, what got you specifically into the advice giving business, the Ari's Take blog, for example? Totally, yeah. So um, I have been managing my music career on my own since the beginning, um, and and not because I wanted to. It was it was really out of necessity. I mean, I realized. Uh, very early on that the shows I promoted, people came to, and the shows I, I didn't promote, nobody showed up to. So I figured, like, if I want people coming to my shows, I should promote them. And then that just kind of translated to everything else that I did. Uh, if I want to get a song on TV, I need to make that happen myself. I can't just wait for uh, I can't wait for One Tree Hill to knock on my door and be like, hey, we'd like to use your song. Um, so, you know, I realized I had to do that early on. So I, I started doing that. And then I just started, I, I guess my, my reputation just kind of got out that I was making a lot of this stuff happen for myself. And, and that, uh, I kind of had a pretty strong handle on the business. I, I took to the business side of music very early on. Um, and I, in Minneapolis, I kind of became the go-to, uh, music business guru, I guess, of the music scene, just because I kind of was doing it on my own and was kind of paying attention to what was happening in the industry. But, but, uh, more so because I was just really like booking all my own tours and, and kind of making all this stuff happen, uh, for me. And then, um, I toured a lot of colleges and high schools, uh, 
And I always talked there uh, just a little bit about what I was doing in my career. And so then I started getting a ton of questions from musicians uh, at universities and in high school. And it got to a point where I was I was getting so many questions that I just literally didn't have time to respond to everybody. And a lot of the questions were the same uh, were, were kind of the same themes and the same questions over and over. Like, how do you book a tour? Uh, is this a good deal for this club that I'm negotiating a show with? Or, uh, how do you get songs on TV? And, and, you know, how do we sell merch? We're not selling any merch, those kinds of things. And so I just, um, and because I didn't have time to respond to every, everyone, I just kind of put it all up on a blog and my, uh, my brother is a web developer. So he created the site. Uh, my best friend's a graphic design artist. So he, uh, the both of them did it uh, pro bono because uh, you know we're just we're close and and uh, I gave him you know gave him lots of hugs high fives and and uh, <laughs> and dinner beer um, but yeah and so basically I just put them all up on a blog so when I started kept getting these questions I just pointed everybody there instead I was like oh you can uh, here's a link to that this place where I wrote about your question and then I just started pointing people there. Uh, and that's, that's really how and, and why I started it. And then I guess it kind of, uh, took off and, and I, you know, I really do enjoy seeing talented musicians succeed and it, and it honestly, it breaks my heart, uh, every time one of my favorite bands breaks up because they aren't succeeding with their careers to the level that they expect. And it's because they just don't know how to manage their business. Right. It has nothing to do with how talented they are. It has nothing to do with how good their music is because their music is phenomenal. But if you don't get a strong handle on the business, your music isn't going to go anywhere and you're going to stop playing it and your band's going to break up. I've seen it happen so many times and it just drives me crazy. And it breaks my heart every time. Like, like legitimately. And so I, if I can do my little part to help talented musicians, uh, succeed with their careers, even a few days longer than, <laughs> you know, I've done my, I've done my job. Well, let me build off of that and give you a hypothetical. And this is probably a hypothetical scenario that is the current situation for a lot of the artist listeners who listen to this podcast. Let's okay. say I'm an artist and I want to get started creating my own independent music career. And let's say I have a ton of talent, but that's all I got. I got no catalog of music. I got no social media following. I got no web presence. What are the initial steps that I need to take to build my career? Uh, <laughs> so if you're just getting started uh, now in this, in this hypothetical situation, are you a solo singer songwriter or are you, are you looking for other musicians to start a band or is this, are you like a band? Well, let's just say it's me. Um, I know okay. I, 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 I play the guitar, I play piano, something like that. Okay. So for singer songwriters, we just go that, yeah. uh, directly for singer songwriters. Um, I mean, it's, I guess I would say the first thing you want to do is make a, a goals sheet. Uh, and, and what I, I call it, uh, the 26 year marathon. Um, and so what you should do is you should write out your one year goal, your five year goal, your 10 year goal and, or goals rather, and your 26 year goals. And the reason you should do this first is because if you don't know what you're striving for, how can you reach it? So, and everybody's goals are different. If you want to be a chart-topping superstar 
and that's all you want to be, then there's a very different way to go about doing that than if you want to be a successful regional musician or if you just want to be a YouTube musician and never want to tour. And if, if you never want to play live, there's a very different way to go about your music career than if you do want to play live. So I think the most important thing for artists to do, those who are first starting off, and if you haven't done this and you're an experienced musician, you've been at your career for a long time, I encourage you to do this right now. Um, really make this uh, goal sheet uh, and it'll really help pave your future path for what your career is going to look like because every independent musician's career is unique and every career path looks differently looks different from from the from the next so that's step 1 and once you really solidify that then that will help dictate what your next steps are and i guess i can't really tell you what your next step should be without knowing your specific situation because every career is different and every path is different. Your answer was actually better than the one that I probably expected you to say. I, I, I was totally <laughs> expecting your, oh, you got to get on Twitter and Facebook and you got to build your YouTube page. And you just went far more global and far more impressive than that. And you're saying none of that matters unless you right. make a plan, unless you set some goals. That was tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, I'm a big fan of the website Digital Music News, and uh, of course, you're a contributor to that. Uh, we we read it about every week on the podcast, uh, or for the podcast, we get a lot of great article ideas from it. And uh, on, we've been talking for the last few weeks on this podcast about an article you brought to the site about an artist named Tara Naomi. Uh, Ten years yes. ago, Tara was one of the original YouTube stars. And she signed a deal with a record label, something that she says in the article nearly destroyed her music career because the label didn't understand how to capitalize on her YouTube fame to be able to promote her. Um, what takeaways did you have from her experience and seeing that words, seeing those words in that article? Do you think that record labels are better now at promoting those kind of talents than they were uh, 10 years ago when they signed Tara? I mean, well, they, they're definitely better at that now than they were before, but they're still behind the curve. They're always behind the curve. Just by the nature of what they do, uh, they, they're a multinational global corporation that, that uh, you know, works on committee. And so it, it's really impossible for them to innovate at the the rates that the modern music industry required. So uh, the reason that YouTubers have done so well is because they don't have to answer to anybody and there are no limits to their creative efforts and they can experiment and they can fail. They can fail so many times and there's not people's <laughs> jobs on the line and there's not so much money on the line. Whereas like if a label decides to put in, uh, you know, $300,000 in a marketing or $5 million into an artist marketing budget and it doesn't do well, people are getting fired. The artist is getting dropped. Uh, they're, you know, and, and that's just, and they think that it's, uh, but the, the, the crazy thing is, is that they don't actually do anything different with the next artist. They just think that, oh, this artist wasn't interesting enough to the public. Whereas that's not probably the case. It's just probably, they didn't know how to market them effectively to the audience that they were reaching. So I, the thing is, 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 um, I, the best way to look at labels, um, 
is is for the bank. I mean, what they're really good at is is giving you money. <laughs> and that's that's it. I mean, you know, they, they do have the connections and they have the notoriety and they but their success rate is horrific. I mean, their success rate is is at around two percent, meaning that ninety-eight percent of artists that get signed to major labels end up failing, meaning they don't recoup their advance. They don't make enough money on, on their first record. Uh, they don't they don't recoup the money that was given to them as the advance, and they get dropped by their labels. So that's a horrible success rate. Uh, that is like ninety eight percent of artists fail on major labels, and so and it's not that these ninety eight percent of these artists aren't good. They're all great. I mean, you don't get signed to a label typically unless you have something seriously going for you or, or unless you're, you're very good. Sure. Um, it's just that, uh, it's a crap shoot and it's, it's really like, if you want to sign to a major label, you have to accept that you're playing the lottery and it's not, even if you are the best, the most talented artist on the label and you have the best songs on the label, it doesn't guarantee you the success. It just, it just, uh, might help increase your odds a very slight amount. So given the label's low success rate and also given the emergence of all of these new technologies that are making the creation of music, the promotion of music, and the distribution of music cheaper than ever, uh, what yeah. role and what influence do you think labels are going to have in the music industry 10 or 15 years from now? I mean, I, you know, I don't think they're going away. Uh, um, I, I don't think that labels are 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 going to die off completely. I mean, a lot of them have, and a lot of them have merged and they're used, you know, 10 years ago, there were five, uh, major labels. Now they're only three, um, with, with a, a bunch below them, but now they're the three parent companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I, I heard a podcast, uh, a little while ago with the president of universal Republic records and, he said, I, uh, his name is slipping me right now, but he said, we are in the business of making famous. And that was really telling. And it's very obvious, but, but that's what they do. Like they're not in the business of, of, of cultivating talent or developing artists. They're in the business of making famous and making lots of money. That's all, all the labels care about is making money and they do that by creating superstars. So, you know, as, as I mentioned before, if you want to be a superstar and that's all you care about is just becoming famous, one, I urge you to get out of music and there are a lot easier ways to become famous than music. <laughs> uh, you can go make a sex tape or something like that. But like, it's just, <laughs> I mean, uh, but if you want to be a superstar and the only way you want to do that is through music, then you got to go sign to a major label right now because that's the easiest and quickest way to become a superstar. And currently uh, – and this, this however, uh, may change and I believe will change in the near future. Uh, but currently uh, the superstars of the world are created by major labels or independent labels with, with – massive, massive budgets and massive connections like Big Machine Records, who's Taylor Swift's record company is technically 
he's still independent. Um, so, you know, but, but I foresee that changing very soon as in, there's a lot of artists who are doing quite well. And a lot of the, uh, former major label artists are jumping ship when their contracts end and they, they're hopping over to cobalt and they're hopping over to these other companies that, uh, offer label services and offer publishing, but don't take any of your rights and don't own anything. And so I, I foresee that being a big part of the future. Um, and these artists who are building up their fan bases uh, online through YouTube and through SoundCloud and even like Instagram and Twitter, like Halsey, you know, Halsey, the artist. Um, yeah. She built up a massive fan base on her own uh, through – well, initially through MySpace when she was like 14 and then uh, through Instagram and Twitter and that – and then and then YouTube. And uh, But she wasn't a YouTuber. Like she just posted her first music video and it became wildly successful because she had such a massive base on Instagram and, and Twitter already. And so she ended up signing to a label because she wanted to become a superstar. And so – but she would have had a very solid, successful career had she not gone to a label as well. Uh, and I foresee that happening as well in the near future, uh, artists choosing not to sign to a label, not playing the lottery and not giving up all of their ownership and getting more creative in the ways that they promote their music. And I do see superstars coming who are not built by the labels. And that's what that's what we can look forward to. And a pretty exciting time where we can sort of remove the barriers between the people who create com- content and the people who enjoy it. And uh, that might be what the future is. Um, Shifting the focus back to uh, independent DIY artists, uh, what would you say is the most common mistake that you see uh, DIY artists make with their careers and how they manage themselves? Um, Yeah, I would say the, the, let's see, the most common mistake is um, expecting your music to get discovered and and waiting um and and just expecting things to happen and it sounds so basic but i can't tell you how many artists uh you know book a show at a well-known venue and and like maybe make a Facebook event about it and that's it and expect that the venue is going to sell out just by being just by their show being featured on the venue's calendar. And and like along the, the same mindset is used to you. You spend all this money creating an album. You release the album and you don't understand why nobody's buying it or listening to it. Um and it's frustrating. Believe me, I know I've been there. Like I, I live this every day. Like I, I get it. But, but the, I would say maybe the biggest mistake that, that independent DIY musicians make is they don't reserve money for marketing and they don't put any effort into or enough effort, I should say, into their promotional outlets. So, and their promotional efforts, rather. Um, so, I mean, I really think that you should break your career into a 50-50 split and 50% 
and this is uh, I, this is this is going to um, anger a lot of people out there, but fifty <laughs> percent of the money that you have for your project should be spent on the creation and 50% should be spent on the marketing. And nobody does that. No independent artist that I know does that. Everyone raises, you know, a bulk amount on Kickstarter or pledge music. And they put all of that, including all of their own money and some take out loans and they throw it all into the recording process. And then when they expect that because the album is so undeniably great that people will hear it. But let me tell you, some of my favorite records on the planet that have ever been released, and I put them up in my top 10 all-time greatest records of all time, huh. uh, you've never heard. Because <laughs> they're independent albums released by independent artists who didn't put any money or effort into marketing or promoting these albums, and you've never heard of them. And it's not because they're not good. It's just because they, they weren't marketed. The reason that labels put so much money into marketing is because it works and and it's it's not because that you know they're 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 not polishing turds here like yes your your music has to be great like that is the baseline and you can't no matter uh, how much marketing or money or promotion you put behind uh, a product it still has to be great like that's that's the baseline of everything so any anything that i ever talk about <laughs> is is just is uh with the understanding that your music is great so that's baseline but if your music is great i mean there's a lot of great artists out there and there's a lot of great music so if your music is great then then you should treat it the way it, it uh you should you should um, give it the best chance it has to succeed. And the only way it's going to succeed is if you promote it, because if not you, who, and, and if you just wait for someone to come and discover it, that's not going to happen. I mean, those chances are astronomical and there's so much content out there that, that your music being discovered, it's the needle in a haystack. So, uh, you have to put in your own effort, uh, your own promotional efforts, and you really have to put in that money and break it 50, 50. I mean, 50% 50% of the money marketing, 50% on creation. And really, I mean, I go the, I would take the 50-50 further, uh, and that should be applied to your entire career. 50% should be spent on uh, the art and the music, and 50% should be spent on the business. Now, that doesn't have to be every day. You don't need to clock your hours every day. Obviously, <laughs> when, you, when you're writing your album – that that can be 100% of your time is spent on the creation and the art. And that's for six months when I wrote my new album, I spent six months every day writing my new album and doing nothing. But I did no, a very little business in those six months of writing my new album. But when it was time to promote the new album and the album was coming out, I spent many, many months, probably six months, then just promoting it and spending very little time on the art and the creation. So it's a balance. Um, and when you're not in an, uh, in the writing process or something like that, you know, split your time. If you do want to do it day by day, then then spend your first six hours practicing and writing, and then spend the next six hours doing all the business side of your career. Um, and and that's that's the solid place to start. Awesome. Uh, you you have been so magnanimous. Uh... Uh, doing, give, talking about all these different ways to help all these indie artists out there. And I, I would say uh, 
in return for that, I would love to turn the focus back to you and uh, play a little bit of your music, um, both uh, to, to, to give you publicity that you uh, certainly deserve as little as you can get from this podcast, and also to entertain all the listeners with some great music. So we're going to play one of your songs on the show right now. This is called Keep Fighting, and uh, here it is on the Break the Business Podcast. That was Keep Fighting by Ari Herstand here on the Break the Business podcast. Great stuff, Ari. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you for letting us play it on the show. It was uh, tremendous. So before we let you go, and believe me, I certainly don't want to. You've been great. Um, are there any other uh, final pieces of advice you want to impart to the artist listeners out there about uh, their careers? Any, any aspect of the entertainment operation that you feel like we haven't really addressed yet? Um, I would... Just say, uh, if you believe in your music and you want to become a full-time professional musician, uh, or if you are right now and you want to grow even further, uh, you, you have to put in the, the effort yourself and you have to make it happen. 
So uh, as as tough it is as it is, and as shitty as it is to have to kind of promote your own music and and put yourself out there, it's a means to an end. And it's uh, but but just you know go and do it, and uh, you will see you will see fruitful returns. Awesome. Thank you very much for your uh, time, Ari. Thank you for being on the show. Please don't be a stranger. Uh, We'd love to have you on again real soon. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Tremendous. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Our thanks to Ari Hurston for uh, stopping by and having us interview him earlier. He's tremendous. I, I feel so honored that I had the chance to talk to him. Um, I mean every word that I said in that interview about him being the best around when it comes to giving indie artists advice. He is really good at it, much better than the people currently talking on this podcast right now. Yep, and I agree. Um, you can check out his blog, Ari's Take. He writes for Digital Music News. He's he's amazing. Um, how are you feeling, Dave? Well, it's a little weird. I think we know why. Yeah. Because we're, we're recording this uh, on Saturday, November 14th. Yeah. So um, we're, I'm assuming everyone out there sort of knows that, you know, this is the morning after, for us anyway, of all the, the news of the, you know, the tragedy in Paris. Yeah. That um, just awfulness, which it like last night, it really affected me. Yeah. Um, I, I've been in sort of a fog uh, since this. And. You know, as we said in the first segment, you know, Ari Hurston's interview was recorded before everything in Paris happened. Right. So, like, don't don't send him any angry letters about how could you not talk about Paris? Like, no, he he, he didn't know at the time. None of us knew at the time. No, yeah. Um, and I'm and I know that you know he would have had many insightful things to say about it because he's a super insightful guy. Yeah. So please don't hold him responsible for that. It, it's interesting because as, as as everything was like unfolding and I was looking at um, online and Twitter, everything uh, towards the end of the day at work yesterday, you know, I've never been to France. I, no. I want to go desperately. Um, the only sort of the connection that I have or that I felt is the fact that I've been to uh, the province of Quebec twice. Uh, I've been to Montreal and I've been to Quebec city. And um, I remember a few months ago I was out, I was in Quebec city for uh, Metallica. That's why I missed uh, a show here. And obviously, it's different, you know. Quebec French Canadians would not want you to say, "Oh yeah, you're just France light." You know, they they, they would be. <laughs> this upset. is like being at France at Epcot. Yes, it's like, oh look, wait, I wonder where's Germany so I can get some beer. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but you know, obviously, the French culture is there. Yeah. You know, even on the uh, funny in, in Quebec City on the uh, the Parliament House. Um, on the center flag mast is you know the uh, the flag of uh, Quebec, with the uh, the fleur de lis and all that uh, the white fleur on the, the the blue background. But also then on one of the other spires is the Fran- uh the flag of France, mm-hmm. which actually which I thought was actually interesting. Like oh wow, it's interesting. It's <laughs> I'm in Canada and there's the French flag on a government building. You know that is interesting. But the sort of the people, just the culture, obviously the language. You know all very French, obviously. 
And uh, I just, I, I fell in love with it. And I felt so close to those people. I made a lot of good friends. And they're some of the, the nicest people in the world. I don't know if there's a reputation, I think, amongst uh, about French people, especially in this country. Yeah, not from Americans, yeah. Yeah, like they're rude or obnoxious or whatever. I, I found absolutely none of that. I found them yeah. to be the most loveliest, welcoming, warm people who, by the way, if you didn't speak French, but maybe you made an effort, they appreciated it. They loved it. Um, so that... I was feeling that connection and seeing how the post on some of my uh, French Canadian friends uh, on Facebook with uh, all, you know, the Vive la France and everything and all like sort of like the hashtags and French and everything. Um, so I was definitely feeling that. And then also the other thing that sort of uh, hit me is uh, the detail, of, you know, obviously at the, well, shit, the events at the, 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 the Bataclan, you know, the theater yeah. where the, uh, the band Eagles of Death Metal were playing, the California uh, band, by the way, I have a feeling people in the news are probably don't have no idea who the Eagles of Death Metal are. They're not like a death metal band. It's just a name. Josh Homme told the story how he was seeing this one band that reminded him of like the Eagles of Death Metal, like the Eagles right, in Hotel right, California, right. Joe Walsh. That. So I hope no one makes a mistake to be like, well, you know, this is they were targeted because this was this horrible like devil music or something. I'm sure there are people already tweeting. That yeah, stuff. but you know, it, it, again, it's just it's just a name. But the whole fact, I, I'm an avid concert goer. I love going to shows, be it big stadiums, festivals, or the, like the clubs. It's a place to go for a few hours to hear music you like, maybe even new music, to be amongst like-minded people, and to leave your cares and your problems at the door. Yeah. For me, it's always about, I know no matter what's going on, no matter what the shit is in my life be it work be it depression be it stuff like i've gone through you know divorce and everything for me that the shows were an oasis where i can just go and let all of my emotions and feelings out you know the music i choose to listen to that obviously is a bit heavier and it definitely affords me the opportunity but it just it just it's just, it's a safe space you know it's I know that the people around me like what I like. I know mm -hmm. we're all here to enjoy the show and have a good time. And again, it's 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 like it's supposed to be a safe place. You're no judgments, no nothing from the outside world. And um, obviously the world outside crashed down and intruded in the most horrific, heinous way possible in this show where these people just, you know, out on a Friday night, hopefully listen to some music, hopefully to have some fun. You know, who kn who knows what's going on in their life at that point. And this happens. And it's it, it it almost feels like just like a violation against obviously, you know, well, music in general, rock and roll, and just people who go to these shows, just you know, people. Obviously it's a violation against everyone, you know, as everyone's saying. But also just how it made me feel in terms of wow, like they, they picked this show, this concert. And, you know, it's not like I'm ever going to be scared to go. I'm going to continue to <laughs> do what I want, see the shows I want, because they are so important to me, because they mean so much, especially now more than ever. You should go to your local club. You should go find your band and travel and go see them on the road, you know, because you don't let anyone take that away from you. Not, not these assholes, <laughs> yeah. you know. Sorry for cursing, but... 
Uh, We've cursed about six times during this, but I'm well, just going to let you roll, man. That's okay. Yeah. You got a good thing going. I, I, got wanna, I don't want to stop your train. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's been uh, tough. It's, it's it's weird. I'm trying to, like, think, you know, if things like this in the past have affected me as much, I don't know, as this. Maybe it's just a function of age. You know, we're older. Things are different. You know, when uh, September 11th happened, you and I were 15 years old. Yeah. Actually, or, or, or yeah, yeah, we were 15 years uh, old. Yeah, I was oh, just about to turn 16. Just about to turn 16. We're, we were in 10th grade. And, uh, you know, I think our, probably our, our that was obviously against home, too. But things have changed as you get older. It's just the way you process things. And more so than any sort of anger, really, I feel. I just feel like just sadness, you know? It's just... I hate to use the word a bummer because that's just like so, it almost sounds stupid, but it is, it's just, you just feel sad and just sort of like, it's depressing to think in this beautiful city, you know, people out just trying to have a good time, just have some fun with people, family and friends. And this is what happens. This is like what, this is okay in people's mind that they, that these criminals, you almost don't even want to call them terrorists. That, That gives them like criminals. They're just, they're murderers. That's what it is. I, I, I just almost see no difference between them or any other piece of crap that's locked up in prison. You know, it's just, they're just criminals. Just and worst uh, kind yeah. of scum. Yeah. But and, my, yeah, my, my thing is, you know, Hey, everyone out there, listen to your music, go see the musicians you love. Go actually see them. Go to the clubs. Go to the stadiums, go to the arenas, go to the festivals, go and support them, go and have fun, be around your friends, be around the people that like the music, make friendships with these people, don't hide away, keep on going, keep on doing what you're going to do, I'm going to keep doing it, I'm not going to stop, ever, 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 don't care. Yeah, I, I think that, that exemplifies it quite well i think it's right it's right out of the terrorist playbook like it's no accident that they're going after the things that we love that make us happy that give us a sense of community and a sense of attachment to others sports soccer music rock concerts yeah outdoor cafes right you know yeah like i mean they don't they don't they didn't just randomly pick these locations out of a hat there was there was a point you know they they want to take away the things that make us that give us solidarity to each other, mm-hmm. um, and it's and and I guess what what can we say other than we can't let them? And e- even as I say that, like I, I I feel like I'm coming at such a sense with such a such a sense of privilege that I can tell, like I'm tr- you know we're, you know I, I agree with you when we say like you know we can't stop going to concerts. But I also feel like I'm coming at this with some privilege because how am I supposed to tell that to somebody in Paris? You still have to go to concerts. You have to fight. And I'm guessing if I was a Parisian right now, I would say, no, I want to hide under a rock. I never want to go see a concert right. again. Like, oh, no, how no, can no, you yeah. how can you tell? Like, I mean, but I mean, it's true. But I mean, how, you know, how do we tell that to a Parisian? I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> no, no, no. Everyone. No, everyone. Gre- everyone's different. Everyone agrees. Everyone has their own time. You know, no, no, no. Yeah. So, I mean, also the sad thing is, you know, or, or some of the other things that have come out of it now is 
Uh, I think was it U two uh, had a show actually supposed to be tonight. I think they were for like a special actually. I think so. Yeah. Um, they, they canceled. I'm not sure if that's gonna be back on Elton John also. When it's like, damn. Obviously, you know why they're doing it. Obviously, security now sure. is, is the first thing. But it'll be nice when, and I hope they reschedule soon, and they can reschedule soon, you know, to play and bring the people some happiness and some good times. You know, it's you two and Elton John. You know, they're, they're pretty big guys. Yeah. God knows they can probably help out in terms of uh, helping people just for a few hours, just, you know, groove on some good tunes, you know? Because a lot of times, hey, you know, that's, that's what music is, right? That's what it's there for. It's there to help you out. Whether or not it's a, it's a song that may be a bit sad or make you bring out your emotions and you know actually force you to confront them, or if it's something that's going to make you happy or something you just want to block something out, that's what music is. That's the whole point of it. That's it's like a sort of like it almost feels like it's the gift of humanity, right? Like why is it we have it, and no one else does? Like mm-hmm. the other creatures, we actually have music. Like, what is music? What are all these notes and sounds that are just sounds, but yet you play them the right way, you play them in the right order? All of a sudden, like oh my god, it's not noise anymore. It's music. It can change our emotions. It can, exactly. It can change the world. It can change policies. So. Yeah. Maybe we should get some Edith Piaf and listen to it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> la vie en rose vive la France yeah. so I think that's what the uh, message is vive la France yeah and God hey man I can't I can't wait to visit Paris one day oh absolutely um, yeah. and I I remain hopeful and confident that you know when both of us ever get the chance to go to Paris that it will remain as beautiful as ever and as strong as ever and mm-hmm. all of the things that make it great uh, are not taken away right and we don't lose them and no. i can't help but think that all of that will be the case yeah. that you know you know you, much like sorry much um, like well here's the thing it, yeah I mean, go, go I, ahead go I, ahead I, i'm wondering if like you said maybe like we can go maybe, maybe we should take the show on the road and go to paris i think maybe the show do you think maybe the show could subsidize or we can write off a trip oh just uh, just move the podcast to paris and well yeah i think that whoever pulls the uh, whoever uh controls the purse for this show probably can just write it off put on the tax <laughs> as, a, as a business trip a business <laughs> expense i think we should we should go it's it's it, Wow, the more I'm talking about this, the more it makes sense. Paris is an affordable city, right? Yeah, and I think it's becoming more and more irresponsible, as long, us still sitting here and not doing this. So, Ryan, I think you should talk to whoever's in charge of the podcast, <laughs> and um, let's do a remote from there. And then, shoot, since we're there, I mean, you might as well remote from England. Um <laughs> Germany. Travel the world. Yeah. Austria. The world, world tour for the podcast. Has there ever been... Uh, a podcast done from the uh, Swiss Alps? <laughs> and if there has, has there ever been a music business podcast done from the Swiss Alps? And if there's even that, has there been a music business podcast with two guys from Miami who's been friends for like almost 20 years from middle school uh, to do a podcast from the Alps? Now, if, if there's a yes on – or if, if that's already happened, then okay, that's my bad. Good good, good job. You then, guys yeah, win. We don't need to do it. You, you win. But um, no, no, I, I think that's what we're going to do. <laughs> I I needed to make you laugh, somebody. You no, were, I know. No, I'm, I'm, I'm dying over here. I'm like – I. I feel I feel bad because you were saying such impressive, profound stuff, and I'm like in so much of a fog that all you're getting from me is mm, yeah, 
Yeah. No, hey, preach. Yeah, you got it. And it's just, I was useless. I'm just that's useless right. for that whole segment. That's right. Well, yeah, you know, in, in, in these But times, you crushed it. I think in, in, you, in you times, said everything I wanted to in say. In these times, humor is necessary. Yeah. At least that's what I've found. Everyone is different. But for me, I really need to laugh. Well, I mean, that's I, just the way I'm built. I, I'm with you. I need you here, buddy. Like, can you, can you make me laugh? Is there like something that happened? Like, I know you don't have, I know you don't have a, an as yet untitled game show to make me laugh, although those just generally make me angry. Um, but which is there, makes me laugh, which it's makes funny. you laugh, and but, it probably uh, makes everybody laugh. But it's like, I mean, I mean, is there anything funny rolling around your head? You're a funny guy. Well, You've always okay. been able to make me laugh. It is interesting that current uh, recently, like the last week, I've been at, talking to people about this issue. I've come across okay and i'm actually it's, it's kind of splitting people which i'm very surprised because it shouldn't split people ryan it should be one answer because i want to break the news to you we are living in a society society has rules okay okay so here's the deal here's the situation folks i'm going to it's a friday night Gonna go see a movie. Gonna see Spectre. This is no. opening night. Gonna, last week. Gonna go see How was Spectre. that, by the way? Was good? Oh, I yeah. loved it. Oh, good. That was great. Yeah, yeah. And some people like just having some issues with it or whatever. It's, it's, screw you. All right? <laughs> you, you love James Bond. I so. love James Bond. I love... I, I, obviously, okay, I don't love all of them equally in terms... I, I love James Bond. You know, yeah, am I gonna say, oh, yeah, you should totally see Die Another Day. It's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> no. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I another day yeah that was uh yeah that's that was Halle Berry yeah and Michael Madsen oh god that was weird anyway um <laughs> you can go to the James Bonding podcast for that yeah uh okay anyway. so we're going to this uh popular South Florida mall and um um it's, cr- it's Friday night so it's crowded yeah. right okay and we think we've all been there you're Going, you're in the parking lot looking for a spot, and sometimes it's going to take you a while. And you got to do like you know, you're going up and down the rows, slowly looking for the people walking to be like, Oh, let me put my turn signal on to do it. I see towards the front an opening <gasps> towards the front, towards the front, Ryan. If you're talking about the mall that I think you're talking about, like it's impossible to find a spot there. And if you find a spot at the front, that's like a unicorn, yeah. like well, you have found a parking unicorn. Well, this is this is Aventura. Oh, let's okay. go ahead and say it. But yeah, I mean that 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 place is pretty packed to the gills too. That, that place is packed too. Spot by the front. Yeah. Hey, all right. This is like primo real estate. Getting closer, turn on my turn signal, and I realize there's a lady standing in the spot. The spot has a squatter. Yes. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, okay, maybe she was just like in the next car over and getting out, and she's just walking, and just happens to be standing in there. Okay. Put my turn signal on. I'm kind of like I'm right there, and she's like, she basically gives me like waves me off, and like sort of like not yells out, but sort of says you know so I can hear her because I think my window's down a little bit. Oh no no, no I'm saving this. Oh oh oh, one of those people. And I'm kind of like I, I'm like, you you can't save a spot. Like what, yeah no. What? It, and it was funny. So I was actually taking a girl out, so I you know I couldn't I I didn't. I didn't get as animated as I could have. Oh, kinda you got the date there, so you got to kind of keep it cool. Yeah, yeah, but it's funny. We'll actually get to that part for a second. Okay. Um, <laughs> luckily, like four spots down the the, the way, there was, no, there was no, someone was leaving anyway. Thank God. But again, this lady was standing in an empty parking spot. Standing. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, I didn't. She's like, oh, my, like my, my husband or whatever is coming. I'm like, there was no car behind me. There's no car around me. I don't know what this is. This lady's just standing in this spot. And it's like, 
No, that's against the rules of the parking lot. The parking lot, since time immemorial, has a very simple policy. First come, first serve. In a car. You drive. You have your business that you need to take care of at at whatever location this parking spot is. You drive. You find an empty spot without a car. That's the first criteria. Oh, is there a car there? Yes. Oh, I can't park. Is there no car there? Oh, good. I can park. (laughs) It's a good flow chart you just made. Yes. Yes. Okay. Put your turn signal on. You go in. I'll even allow you not putting the turn signal on if there's no one around you. But if there is, you do. Yeah. Okay. That that summarizes the rules of parking lotage okay. quite well. So the girl I was with was almost kind of like, what is, like, what's the big deal? I'm like, what do you mean what's the big deal? She's standing in the spot. That's not allowed. Yeah, no, you can't do that. Like, parking spots are for cars, not people. I'm so with you. you. Agree with me. I'm with you. I yes. hate it when people do that. I mean, aside from the fact that it's like just a, a crappy thing to do because you're not a car and parking lots are not for people, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It, at least I'm not a crazy person. Well, I think I'm not a crazy person. You at home might be thinking, God, this guy's a crazy person. Um, you know, yeah. And we're also we're in South Florida, sort of the hub of like road rage and parking lot rage. Yeah. And people with guns and stand your ground. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know. Best way to avoid confrontation. And it's funny. I wasn't going to probably park there anyway because then you have to worry about these friggin' morons who then like, well, then, you know, if I force someone out, are they going to key the car? Are they going to like, you know, knife my tire, do something? So it's like now they've won because you don't want to park there now because you right. don't want to leave your car in the hands of these squatters <laughs> that are just there. Yeah. You know, so it's like a twofold thing that you have to worry about there's just too many risks too many variables you know it the parking lot no reservations first come first serve absolutely that's it no holding and i hear what you're saying oh but dave we go to the movie theater don't you sometimes hold a seat for a friend there's a limit and i feather could figure this out in my head okay because i've gone to the the movies with friends even this happened to us recently when we saw the martian um saving for one person fine easy yes no problem you're Spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other, friend, you know, guy in the street you just met and want to share a hot dog with. I don't know. <laughs> um, two friends. Okay. That's fine. You can sit in the middle and, like, hold either end. Yeah. If you're just one person saving three seats, I think that's the limit of, like, get out of here. I feel like you need to make, like, forget Emily Post. You need to make the next generation of etiquette books. That's interesting. Because... I'm in fact I'm willing to let you make all the great societal judgment calls about like these little aspects Ooh. of modern life. Like, Ooh, I like this. Maybe we should do that. Like we should make a segment out of this where, you know, listeners email the show at breakthebusiness at gmail.com and just, you know, present these foibles of modern life. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, can a person stand in a parking space to reserve it? How many seats can you reserve at the movie theater? And let Dave be the ultimate arbiter. Right as and, to what is okay, and I'm willing to I'm willing to give you that authority. I trust you that much. And I know what you're you're thinking, folks. Oh, it's just your opinion. <laughs> no, no, no. It's final. That's that's what it oh, is. Oh yeah, no. There's no appeals. Right. This is summary judgment. Like what what Dave says goes. Hey, nice. Is that Rule Fifty One or something? Fifty two, fifty four, fifty six, fifty six. That might be it. Don't hey. hire us ever. Yeah, we're clearly <laughs> well, not to litigate anyway. Right. Uh, but 
So yeah, but I've been asking people like at work too. It's like, hey, am I, am I crazy? Am I the only one? Okay, so you like you, you wanted to see if, how other people felt about I was this because I'm with you. I'm with you. I, no reserving parking spots. I was taking for a people. poll, and some people are like, well, you know, I've done it a few times. I'm like, wait, what? Like one of my good friends, she's like, oh yeah, I've done it. Oh. I'm like, no, don't. Also, because she's like raising a child, and I'm like, buddy, a life is in your hands. You have the ability to to like control someone's life essentially. Do you want this to be the? Do you want your child to be the type of person that stands in a parking space, <laughs> or the type of person that follows the rules of society and knows what is allowed and not allowed, and parks a car in a parking space? <laughs> so, of the people you polled, like, what would you say was the split? Like, I, how many people agreed? I with am you? disappointed to think that there's, there's almost like a 50-50 no. split for people. No, that, well, some people are kind of like, well, you know, if I'm at Publix or something, or you know, going around, but I'm kind of like. I've never been in the situation. It's been so terrible where I'm just going around and around in a parking lot for an hour. Something opens up or you can make another plant, but dropping someone off to just like scour the lot ahead of you. I'm like, no, that's not allowed. It's a parking space, not a standing space. Right. I mean, if you're a parent and you tell your daughter, or if you're a, uh, a spouse and you tell your spouse to, you know, get out of the car and stand in that spot, you're essentially telling them, I want you to you know with 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 your actions tell another motorist if you want this car you if you want this spot you have to kill me for it you have to run me over and the the very notion that you're willing to subject your family member to having to make that statement to another motorist i think suggests that you might be a terrible person and it's irresponsible and there are certain pockets of this country including the ones you and i the one we we are living in right now where that is a distinct possibility (laughs) <laughs> exactly especially in miami because that's a very real risk i can't believe that the split is actually 50 50 as you say like that yeah. that horrifies me listeners can you can you email the show or you know you know tweet out to us at ryan k-a-i-r email break the business gmail.com where do you stand on this issue because i'm i'm genuinely curious and and i know what you're thinking you're thinking oh dave Parking lots are a new thing, man. People don't have... They, it's still new, right? It's up in the air. It's from like 1920... When is the first parking lot? I don't know. <laughs> the research, the first parking lot. But guess what? You know when you're watching Westerns? You never see John Wayne standing in front of the damn pole in the saloon <laughs> holding a spot for his buddy's horse. <laughs> nope, sorry. You can't tie up here. My, my buddy's uh, coming in from uh, Oklahoma. He'll be here in a few days. Pilgrim. Preserving this spot. Yeah. <laughs> Pilgrim, yeah, move your horse along, Pilgrim. <laughs> I know, I thought for sure you were going to do that bit as John Wayne. Um, all of that was was great, Dave. Thank I, you. It, it I, made I, me, I think it was It delightful. made me feel better. I, I mean, me not feel, like, I'm not, you know, I'm still in a fog, but I think it's, like, it was nice to have, like, a temporary break from you're yourself because you're talking with your hands again you're doing all of this i want to put this on video one day just all the hand movements. yeah no i'm I'm making hands i'm making hand gesticulations when i talk again so that's that's the first step to recovering (laughs) um thank you all listening thank you all for listening to the it's been a bad weekend guys give me a break thank you all for listening to the break the business podcast um i want to say for from both of us we are very grateful to have you here and um, we hope that the musicians out there can continue to stay empowered and keep creating. Cause as we said earlier in the show, we need you guys more than ever to yep. make great music, to make us, to make us feel good if we want to feel good or bad if we want to feel bad. Um, but thank you all f- for all that you do. And, uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the break the business podcast. Mm-hmm.